The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, we got the first preseason game coming up on Sunday. There is a light at the end of the tunnel for training camp. How we feel? Well, as long as it's not an oncoming train, I think we'll be fine. So Okay. All right, we're going to start with a dad joke. That's the only way we could start. Yeah, right. Well, well, I am one of those, so you know you're going to get one once in a while. If one of us is allowed to make a dad joke, right now it's you. Maybe one it's, day. That's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. down the road, uh, if we're still doing the show, when you when got three animals happens. living in the house, you really qualify. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My girlfriend did get me a Father's Day card with a cartoon of Maury Povich because I am a dog dad. <laughs> And uh, double cat dad. So uh, I have that going for me, which is nice. All right. We we know you guys like the Airhead Pride Editor Show because some of you are nice enough to read us uh, or leave us, I should say, a rating and a review. As a reminder, if you leave us a rating and a review before we start the Airhead Pride Editor Show, we will read it on the podcast. You can leave a comment. You could review the show. You could ask us a question. But first from the Sphinx 46 back to Wisconsin. After hearing about all the injuries at the indoor facility at St. Joe's, it's good that this commenter, by the way, says St. Joe like Patrick Mahomes does. <laughs> shouldn't, shouldn't we all say St. Joe's instead of St. Joe? Uh, he, he continues, I think we all know what has to happen. Move training camp back to River Falls, Wisconsin. Okay, I might be a little biased since I grew up 15 minutes from there and visiting training camp in the late 90s and early 2000s is what made me a lifetime fan. I know that's probably not in the cards, so we'll rely on the great coverage of the Arrowhead Pride uh, that it provides. Thank you. So here you go, John. Uh, a, a fan that is joking, they, he would like to see it back in Wisconsin. I wouldn't mind that. I mean, I went there once, and it was it was way cool. I had such a good time up there. Weather was beautiful. Uh, you know, it's not nearly as hot up there as it is in in this part of the world. But, you know, if you're covering the team, which I was the time I was there, uh, it's a long time to be such a long way from home. <laughs> yeah, because you <laughs> really a lot of a lot of there. dead time too for for reporters. I I have been forthcoming about my complaints about driving back and forth for the forty five minutes from St. Joe. I can only imagine if I was just in Wisconsin for 
you know, what would be three or four straight weeks. The Chiefs, of course, have moved it closer a while ago now. And I, I know uh, that they, as long as they are coached by Andy Reid and the NFL allows it, will be having training camp at St. Joe or somewhere else, maybe like an hour or so or away. I could see it moving, but it's not moving to Kansas City because Andy Reid really enjoys the camaraderie that you get from being away. All right, let's go through the rundown of the show. First, we'll go through the news. A couple headlines that we got to talk through uh, as we go here as far as what happened with the Chiefs in the past week. We'll take a quick break. We will go through, John, the unofficial depth chart, even though, man, some of these reactions today are, are acting like it's very official. And then we'll take another break <laughs> and we'll close with the roundtable because we have the preseason starting on Sunday at noon, KSHB 41, Chiefs at Saints. We will go through what we're watching in the preseason. So Serta will join us for that one, our fantastic Arrowhead Pride podcast producer but john let's start here with the news and not such a great news story for the chiefs a suspension coming down a six game suspension for a defensive tackle defensive end really defensive line specialist charles and here's the deal i know there had been some mix up about how much the chiefs know and how, you know, did they know this when they signed him how does it affect chris jones well, everyone in the nfl that is in the nfl circles can talk to anyone inside so the chiefs when they signed a menahue they knew a suspension was coming right this sure, was part yeah. of his story when they signed him there was a domestic violence story tied to him it seemed like the san francisco 49ers when he was a member of the 49ers looked into it they allowed him to continue to play they probably knew the 49ers even that there he could be subject to some discipline the nfl and the chiefs talk so the chiefs can talk to them and the nfl will inform the chiefs a suspension is coming same thing with Willie Gay Jr. What they weren't aware of was the amount of games that it would be because it varies, right? This right. is one of the big problems with the NFL over the years is just you never know what the suspension is going to be. This ends up being six games, which is pretty extensive where you end up losing Charles and many Does it affect the Chris Jones talks? Again, I don't think really because the Chiefs knew a suspension was coming. It's not like this suddenly gives Chris Jones some um, new boosted leverage if anything you know maybe you could make a case okay we thought it was only going to be three games now they need jones you know even more more so because he's missing a chunk of the season uh, but it's a key player and you never want to see a whatever took place off the field again you know we don't know necessarily the details we know the nfl investigated this and then b a, a player suspended who's really i think going to be such a key cog of, of what this defense is trying to do in 2023 I think it'll largely depend on exactly how they intend to use him. And he also, um, right. you know, if he's going to be a guy who is primarily on the edge as opposed to in inside, that's one thing. But if he's going to be in the Chris Jones role where he's mostly on the inside, then occasionally plays on the edge. Well, that that alters the equation to a certain extent. So I'll tell you this. I think it's almost impossible for an NFL team to make a deal for a player and not find out that there's the possibility of uh, from the league giving some discipline because of something like this. I think that the league would go out of its way when a transaction like this goes down to say, Hey, you need to know that this could be happening. I, I think. And like the, you're spending millions of dollars. The yeah, idea that yeah. a team wouldn't know that going in, of yeah. course they knew it. Right. Of right. course they now 
it is interesting when you discuss the the inside outside versatility because I think the Chiefs really like him inside, and it, it it's funny. I think they like the prospect of him next to Chris Jones, and now suddenly you get to Week One and. You're so a little unsure about whether Chris Jones is going right. to be there. You know that Charles Menu certainly won't be there. And so as you have been at training camp, now there's a, a couple signs pointing to him as a defensive end, right? Mike Dana has been out of the mix. So a lot of times when practice would start where with the first team defense, you would see Menu on the outside, which maybe isn't where he would be had Mike Dana been healthy this whole time, but he wasn't, right? And so now you're you're wondering, will he be more of an outside guy who moves inside? The Chiefs also, and we'll get to this, put him as a defensive end on the unofficial depth chart, and I've lift, listed him as a, a defensive end. And again, anyway, regardless of all of this, the Chiefs <laughs> will look forward to his return week seven, and John, they'll have to just make up for the loss of him in the meantime. And it's just, it's a it's a greater loss when when you think about he was supposed to be somebody who filled in to an extent in some capacity for what you were losing in a Frank Clark. And uh, now it's going to be younger players that will have to rise to the occasion. Well, and one of them is Felix and Uzama, who has not really been playing with the first team. Uh, mm-hmm. He seems to be somebody who's starting camp, who started camp, I should say a little bit behind everybody else. Uh, because he had that injury that kept him out of the off-season programs. He had a little catching up to do. Now, in recent days, he has had some snaps with the first team, correct? I believe I saw that. So that's a a positive sign, but he's still a little behind everybody else, which makes that situation a little more difficult on the edge. I'll share a moment from training camp the other day. uh, and, And now, just in general, Steve Spagnuolo even noted that Felix has been flashing, which is always a good sign because right. if you can get on Spagnuolo's radar early, you can maybe m- make a push to to start early. And we know it's hard for rookies, even if they're first rounders, to start unless sure. you really prove it. Now, this was a great moment because you saw Felix going up against it was Donovan Smith, and I said, "Man, that was a real good rep for Felix." And I, I, I and again, you're always thinking, "Well, if it's a good rep for Felix, <laughs> such a great rep for." Donovan Smith, the next rep of the one-on-one, John Felix's face was in the dirt. So uh, they, <laughs> they, we've had, and I think that's a good microcosm of where Felix is at right now. You, you see moments where, okay, this guy could, could be something. And then you see other moments where you're like, okay, he, he needs some development. Well, that's exactly what you want to see in your one-on-ones is training camp in training camp is to see the offensive players win half the time and the defensive players win half the time if you get that if you've got that happening you've got a good chance of having pretty good football team because because both uh both sides of the ball are able to win those one-on-one matchups and that's where a lot of winning and losing begins all right let's continue on so uh again we know many will be out for the first six weeks of the season we'll see how the defensive line responds andy reed spoke about chris jones holdout as his fines reach $1 million. Imagine if, if you were just somebody who had so much money where you just were getting docked $50,000 a day. You didn't really, really care about it because you knew more money was coming. That's what Chris Jones is doing. He wants that new contract going into the final year of the last contract that he signed. And I thought this was interesting from Andy Reid, John. It, it just doesn't seem to me like this is in a good place even still. And I I think that's the only concerning thing. I I do still think this gets done, but the line of, I don't know when he'll be there, but I'll tell you any work 
that he can get will help him. It's a pretty fast game. Again, it, it's subtly sending the message that, A, the communication is bad still, at least mm-hmm. you know, yeah. to what Veach is sharing with Reed, and that, B, it, it's kind of ticking Reed off. And we knew initially when he didn't report it, it, it was ticking Andy Reid off. And it, it seems to have only gotten worse and worse as, as the days go on here. Well, he's never happy when this happens. Uh, you know, he never likes to answer these questions, first of all, because he doesn't want to be the GM and answer those questions anymore like he did in Philadelphia. So that's, it starts with that, that Andy Reid doesn't like answering the questions. <laughs> and the other part of it is he says, I want to be responsible for that. He doesn't want to know the answers to those questions. And he always says, we'll have to ask Brett about that. Of course, we never get a chance to ask Brett about that. Well, so, Brett did, Brett did meet yeah, finally, with Adam yes. Teicher in a one-on-one. And here right. was a quote from Brett Veach. When it gets done, I can't answer that. There's no thought or mindset to a trade or anything like that. Our intention is to get something done. We aren't there yet. The first game isn't until September 7th. So that's a positive for us. Chris has played in this scheme now for a few years and does a great job of staying in shape. We'll continue to keep plugging away and hopefully we'll get something done. So I, I think that was Veach putting on a good face and admitting you know, we're still pretty far, mm-hmm. far apart. Yeah in this thing i think it was good for him to get out there that there there's no trade on the table i think what's making this worse and if you listen if you live in kansas city and heard me on the radio i I mentioned this the other day on 610 i think what's making this worse is if this was a training camp that started on a normal date like late july and august if two or three weeks had gone by suddenly you're like at august 21st so chris jones has missed that amount of camp but this has been such an early camp that you have four weeks left. And so it, I think yeah. it's tricking our mind to be like, well, this isn't going well. We should panic, panic, panic. But it's just the long training camp, I think, is tricking our minds in that way. John. I think so. Um, I, I think there's a lot to that. There's still plenty of time left for Jones to get in there and kind of get under control before the before week one gets here. But, you know, he's still going to be behind the eight ball, just like. And Yudike Uzama, you know, you start behind, you're going to be behind until some point, you know, in the fourth or fifth game of the season when you finally catch up with everybody else and get completely in football shape. I thought there were two key things to what Veach said. One of them was that they're not considering a trade, and the other one was that they're actually talking to Jones. And up to this point, there's been so little information, the speculation has been rampant. And there's been plenty of people who said, oh, I think they're going to trade him. Well, no, they're not. That's not going to happen at this point of the season. That was pretty obvious. And now Veach has said so. And now Veach has said, yes, we're talking to him. This isn't a situation where the Chiefs made an offer in, you know, May, and then everybody stopped talking. They're still talking to each other, and those are both positive signs. I think there's also a messaging to Jones's camp of, like, you're dealing with us, right? We're not letting you work out a deal with anybody else so unless you're willing to just sit out the nfl season we're not trading you at this point now i'll also say this because you just all we're left is speculation right now because there's nothing definitive like we've watched brett veach at nfl combines say to the camera we love this player we're going to really work on keeping him and then (laughs) you find out later there was no offer right and this is haggling this is the nfl i don't blame him for that you got to take everything in the situation with a gigantic grain uh, of salt. And that's what we're doing. Uh, I know that Steve uh, is excited about this. If, if somehow Chris Jones shows up 
uh, tomorrow. I'm sure we'll, we'll jump on the horn on the off day and chat about it um, because it, you know, it's just so important to the team. John, you had a wrinkle that you found. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to want to share um, just about Jones and potentially missing a preseason game. Yeah, uh, it's so weird. We, I, I personally, I've been so convinced that this was going to get solved before we got this far. Um, that because because of the fifty thousand dollar a day fine, I didn't really dig into this, but it turns out you can get a pretty substantial fine for uh, missing a preseason game. Uh, in addition to the $50,000 a day fine, you can, uh, if you miss a preseason game, be docked one eighteenth of your, what's called your paragraph five salary, which is your base salary for a season for Jones this year, that's $19.5 million. So it's like, you know, $1.1 million if he's not on the roster, if he hasn't reported by the time the preseason game kicks off on Sunday. Now, does that mean he may show up at camp tomorrow or the next day? Yeah, it might, but it doesn't mean they'll necessarily have made a deal by that point. Yeah. If this was a movie, the Chiefs would show up in New Orleans and Chris Jones would be already in the locker room eating gumbo. (laughs) Meet you guys here. I told you I was going to be here. Right. Where you avoid the $1.1 million. I don't know. That's a good point. And so we'll see. I I think if there was ever a a fitting time to come, and this is now like the sixth time I've been saying it, it would be Friday before the game where at least I don't think he would play in the game if he showed up Friday for that practice. But it's a weird schedule. I, I, I think there's only so many days that you can practice at St. Joe. And so it's odd for the chiefs not to have three practices in a row before the preseason game, but they have a day off on Thursday and then they return one day for Friday day off Saturday and then the game Sunday. So there's one last opportunity before that becomes a thing, John, and that would be Friday. I don't think he's going to be showing up to St. Joe when nobody's there. He's going to make some kind of entrance. If I know Chris Jones. Okay. Let's move on to this minor transaction, John uh, rookie, uh, undrafted free agent Isaiah Moore. He has reached an injury settlement with the team very quickly. What does that mean? Well, this was expected when he was waived with an injury designation. The The reason you would do that instead of just putting him on injured reserve is that if he clears waivers, then he reverts to in, injured reserve and you can negotiate an injury settlement with him. And what this does is it it lowers the amount of money that you have on your salary cap. If you have a player on injured reserve, when the season begins, you have to carry that player's salary that he's being paid, which in some cases is less than his normal salary, um, on your salary cap. That doesn't start until the season begins. So what they're doing here by releasing him, they're giving up their rights, but in exchange for that, they get to put $130,000 in dead money on the cap when the season begins as opposed to 456000 So that's $300,000 in cap savings. And as things stand with the Chiefs right now, that's some real money. Yeah. Well, you get a little bit of a boost there, and, and it makes sense why they're trying to save every possible sure. dollar that they can. Right. Moving on, we saw a video that did pretty well on our site. We just repurposed the Chiefs video of Patrick Mahomes throwing a behind-the-back pass during uh, what was a scrimmage. I think this is really coming. I thought this was crazy to to think that he would actually do this in the game. And it wasn't this moment, this offseason, where they, they tweeted it during Chiefs practice. 
I don't know if you saw this, John, but he, when he was playing in the big slick softball game, I believe he was playing either either third base or shortstop. Right. Mm-hmm. But he did the around the back to first base throw. And I, <laughs> even more so than just like flipping it behind to Sky Moore, because if you saw the video the Chiefs put out, I mean, it is probably four yards away. Yeah, it's this close. Was a, this yeah. was a softball diamond. Now, it's not it's not the Royals baseball diamond. It's much, much shortened field. But at the same time, it's that's a long way away to throw a, a baseball or a softball yeah. behind their back into the first baseman's glove. And it was like a precise. Yeah. Throw. Right. So <laughs> I don't know if there would be like a play where I, I I'm trying to figure out what I'm trying to say here. Like, are you trying to disguise Like, what is the benefit? It, it is, would there be a potential play? I guess there could be like an, an option in a way where you have a, a running back or a receiver that's behind you. And it's like a behind the back option where I just want, I, when he does it, I don't want it to be, to be showy. I want the disguise to like make sense. Cause I think that would enhance whenever he does break this behind the back out. If, if you understand is, what I'm saying is, is that really what you think is going to happen? I mean, when he, when he threw the ball, I, I with have the, no idea, you know, every one of these amazing plays has not been the way the play was drawn up. The left-handed pass, the uh, I the, think they, the I think they may draw up. And... <laughs> I think they may draw up a behind-the-back screen. Yeah. And here's the thing: if if they do it, it you know it better give plus yardage. And if somehow they don't, it, like it is a fumble and they lose the ball, they better oh win that God. game because yeah, that will, right. I, all I know is that will be <laughs> a talking point for days and days and days. Cause I mean, there are fans when they lose, they don't like any of those creative plays in the red zone. I can only imagine if they drop something where Mahomes tries to take advantage of that, but Hey, t- you know, to his credit, I, I think it's realistic because he's pretty accurate. He, he has practiced mm-hmm. this yeah. enough where he, he looks to be pretty accurate with the behind the bass, uh, behind the back pass, and I think we're going to see it. I, we'll, we'll, remains to be seen when, but I, I think we'll see it in 2023. Well, he's been threatening it for a while. You know, it's not like this is a new thing. He's talked about doing it. We've seen him do it. You know, casually during warm-ups watching before Mahomes games train, and stuff. You know, watching Mahomes train is bizarre. Like if you see those those videos in the off season with like the with what is his name? Bobby, Bobby Stroop, his trainer that he grew up with puts out like he's actually past practicing these under the windmill, you know, six, six o'clock, six thirty type of throws. And they put out a mat for him and he's throwing on the run. And then you're like, this is ridiculous. But then he is accurate with the passes during the game. So should every quarterback be practicing? And I watched hard knocks last night. I saw Zach Wilson practicing. No looks. I, I think maybe, Patrick Mahomes is uh, <laughs> inspiring uh, new, you know, younger quarterbacks to to try to mimic some of the things he he does. Um, Do you think that'll really save Zach Wilson's career? I don't know. I don't want to. <laughs> this isn't this isn't gangrene pride or whatever they call it. But I don't want. Uh, in my my very quick analysis on that is, I think Aaron Rodgers is helping him from watching this documentary and helping him significantly. I, I don't think it he was pretty bad, but he was also pretty raw. So we'll see. We'll see in the future for Zach Wilson. He'll never be as good as as Rodgers or Mahomes. That I know. All right. When we come back, we will dive into the first unofficial depth chart of the season. Stay with us. This is the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. 
back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. We continue on. We got a game Sunday, a fake game, an exhibition game where the Chiefs will take on the New Orleans Saints. We'll have you covered right here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, also at arrowheadpride.com. John, this is always a, a moment, I, I think, in the offseason that really captures the attention of the diehard Chiefs fans. It's the first unofficial depth chart that the Chiefs put out. I've shared my understanding of this in the past, but I'm going to share it again just in case you're a new, new listener to the, the AP Podcast Network. When they do this unofficial depth chart, it is, I believe, Mitch Holtis and, and the broadcast team working with PR. They come up with this, and then it is shared with the organization, and then the organization does sign off on it. So I, I think that that is where it gives it some validity. But what is always emphasized here is that it's unofficial and subject to change and um, not something where I, I think we should be too nervous about. Nothing is set in stone on this unofficial depth chart. That being said, uh, we do analyze it to an extent. And I drew this up for us today. Six takeaways from the first unofficial depth chart. If you want to if you want to read it, we're, we're working on it being more clear as, as we speak here, but it's on. Um, it's on the website and we, we have grabbed it from the chiefs and it's better to read it right now on a desktop. So take a look if you, if you're curious, it's out there on Twitter or X. I am never going to get used to that, uh, as well. If you want to read <laughs> X you know, the unofficial depth chart for yourself, but I'm just going to go through my takeaways here, John, and let you comment if you want, uh, for the, for the first takeaway, we had 12 third or fourth string players making the initial 53 man roster in our latest projection, which just goes to show just because a a player isn't a third or fourth string or someone that you wouldn't expect. We're still pretty confident just to give you an example or two. Daenerys Prince is a fourth stringer on this. Uh, I thought this was a surprise, but uh, Turk Wharton is a, a fourth stringer on this. A third stringer that is listed is the beloved Justin Ross, uh, Wanye Morris, who is certainly making the team, Felix. So that's just a, an initial sign. That's why I shared it as a takeaway to just take everything with a grain of salt. Well, you have to. And I, and although we look at this thinking it's a, a representation of what the team thinks, and as you say, we know that the team signs off on it after these guys who aren't really in charge of making roster decisions put it together to begin with. But they may sign off on it for different reasons than its accuracy. You know, suppose they want player X to be a fourth stringer to light a fire under his ass. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a that's a possibility with something like this is that this is is used as a motivating tool for certain players. So that's the other reason not to draw too much meaning into what we see on these things, either now or even in the regular season, because it's not done any differently in the regular season than it is now. One of those points about the fire could be for Ross, who yes. was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as we mentioned, he's a, a third stringer on this behind uh, in that slot, Sky Moore and Richie James, and then Justin Ross. And I wanted to share this because I, I know there's been, I don't know if you've seen this, John, but there's been quite a debate on X and other social mediums recently about, what a dumb name for a social media. <laughs> why, why, what, what are we thinking um, about how like Justin Watson is getting more looks than, than Justin Ross. And 
what a travesty that is. I, and I just put on as one of our takeaways with Arrowhead Pride, the placement on the unofficial depth chart is what we're seeing at practice. So the Chiefs offense, when they come out, at least at training camp, has been an 11 personnel. And that's one running back, one tight end, three wide receivers. Those, those three wide receivers have consistently been mm-hmm. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Sky Moore, and Justin Watson. Kadarius Tony has been out of the mix. And then it, it's very clear that they take those receivers off the field and then they put in Richie James, Justin Ross, and Rasheed Rice. And they do get reps with Mahomes, but they are not the starters right now. And so the mm-hmm. depth chart kind of matches what's happening at practice. I think the good part of this for the Justin Ross stands, as they would say, is he is getting reps with Mahomes. Right. And so this is looking more and more to me like seven receivers at the deadline. But it's just it's worth noting that this is right. I mean, it's not just on paper. This particular thing is right. So. Right. And and this is the point is that Justin Ross is ahead of players like Cornell Powell and Ty Freifogel and Nico mm-hmm. Remigio. These are the people that are not going to be on the 53 man roster as nearly as we can tell. But we do think that Ross is going to make that cut, maybe because Kadarius Tony is hurt. That may be a factor. But by the time we get there, maybe that won't matter. Who knows? We'll just have to see how it all plays out. Yeah, I'll go over this point quick because we already kind of talked about it, but the Chiefs are listing Charles Amenu as a defensive end. A little surprising to me because I really, really think they like him most as a tackle just because you have what will be the six foot five Amenu and the six foot six Chris Jones in the middle knocking down balls. You know, we, we have seen how much that Carlos Dunlap, who, who knows? We'll, we'll see if we'll see Dunlap again, but um, we, we've seen how much that Carlos Dunlap batted balls at the line has really rubbed off on this defensive line room and, and I'm just surprised to see him as a a defensive end, but with the team listing him as a defensive end, the next time we do a projection, I'm going to make that change in 3.0. Probably I would guess Monday after the game, I'll probably do another one after we see finally some action three of five as we, on on the way to five, here we go. (laughs) You know, the thing that I, that strikes me is I'm looking at this and this is really like in the last few minutes is the first opportunity I've had to really pay attention to it. Uh, I find it interesting that Danny Shelton is in there behind mm-hmm. uh, Derek Noddy. Um, but I think it was you that said that uh, he seems to have slimmed down quite a bit. And uh, that's probably he, what he needed to do to be a, to real, a, a, a real contender to make the team. It's rare that you see a, a practice squad guy that was a practice squad veteran for as long mm-hmm. all yeah. year suddenly push to make the team. I think it is happening, but I'm not. I'm not optimistic because I just feel like they have somebody like that in Derek Noddy. I think that's why they drafted someone late in the draft in Keandre Coburn. Right. And you're right. not going to want to risk that to have two of the same type of player. Now we'll see what he does in the games. I think the games can really um, show the chiefs that he has slimmed down and here are the benefits and maybe the case will be too great. Maybe, maybe well, something exciting happens in that room. And, and then of course there's the play, there's the offensive play with Danny Shelton. And that will you know, carry some weight too. <laughs> similar in a way to the behind the back pass. That is not something to forget because mm-hmm. there's no fullback. And sometimes Andy Reid just gets too excited about the prospect of a weird play. <laughs> and he can't do it without the weird player. And they need, well, he, he can do it. He can do it with Danny Shelton on the practice squad too. You sure. know, they can activate him when they have an opportunity to do so and then throw that in the, in the game. But of course, you know, if he's not on the active roster, that's not going to be a look that people are going to be paying attention to uh, when they're looking at film. 
So that that actually might be to the Chiefs' advantage to bring him in from the practice squad and then put a play design for him out there. <laughs> Wouldn't hate it. I've been I was hoping that Shelton would be on the team since last year and it just never yeah. really happened. I think he had one game actually where he did maybe get a call up if I'm remembering. I think All he right. did, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Next point, Malik Herring over Josh Kando. I thought this was notable. Herring got the the second string nod at end, whereas Kando, who was a former draft pick, got pushed back um, to the third team. So Herring was with second. So I'm, it's a differentiator. And to me, these are two guys that are linked up because the Chiefs ain't keeping both. And so I just thought that was worthy of mentioning because one of these guys is going to get cut because the Chiefs are keeping B.J. Thompson as their new project. So one of them, if if one of them makes it, and uh, I believe the other one, will, they'll try to push through to the practice squad. I, I think they like both players. Um, it's just not enough room. Just not enough room. I, I would tend to think Herring would be the guy that, that makes it this time. But we'll see. Uh, you know, there there are there are things about both of them that are positive. It's just that right now, Herring seems to have a little bit more of an edge in what we've seen at camp. So, but we'll see. You never know about this stuff. Wanye Morris was listed as a third string, which I, I th- felt like was a little bit, um, just didn't translate as much to me. Now, I, I will say Lucas Niang and your boy, Prince Tegawanogo, have been consistently <laughs> with the second team rotating at tackle. It seems like they're trying to find out, you know, which player is better where can they play both can they be up for swing tackles but what has stood out is Morris who's been consistently working with the third team he's been the only one of the three that gets these occasional looks with the first team leading me to believe well he's probably the first swing tackle that being said the Chiefs still list him as a third string but that kind of goes into the theme of this whole depth chart it's really tough for a rookie to be high on this list it it, there is there is a, a feeling like even Generic Prince, who's been outstanding, he's listed as a fourth string. So maybe he's just playing into like, we're going to see Wanya Morris play in a game before we put him past the Lucas Niang. No, yeah, I can see that. And, and, it, and you don't really get a chance to see this from the coach's perspective, too. Right. You know, maybe they, maybe they have uh, Winogo and, um, Niang on the second string for a specific reason because they want to uh, get them as many snaps as they can yeah. to give to give them a, a good chance. Whereas Wanye, they have they know what he what he's capable of. You know they've just drafted him. Yeah. Um, whereas uh, Winogo and Niang, you know maybe more of a question mark in the minds of the coaches. That could explain what it is that we're seeing at this point. So again. It's just it's just interesting to discuss at this point. Final takeaway that I I drew up here on on AP uh, Amir Smith Marset is the second punt returner. I just thought that was interesting because I I've felt like it had been a tall task for him to make it, but and you never know if there was an injury to Richie James, does all of a sudden Amir Smith Marset become the guy just because they really like his returning upside? I just don't think he'd be listed here at number two if they didn't really like him as a a i should say punt returner um so i just i just think that's something to note and i think it's certainly you can put him in ink on the practice squad because he would be the next man up if something did happen to richie james that i like a punt return well and plus they've got him listed as both a punt returner and a kick returner yeah so um you know that could be something that might 
might I, matter at some point. I joked about line. this in my writing. No more Sky Moore. Sky Moore is not listed yeah. among the returners, and so he does get reps at, at, at yeah, camp. He is, yeah. but I think it and it it's it is funny, right? Because he wasn't great at catching the punts last year, and he went through that whole thing, had some redemption in the playoffs. But I actually think that's more about what he means to the offense than them just not giving a chance for him this year after you know what what happened last year i mean he really has to be an offensive weapon for the chiefs now that juju uh is in new england right all right right that's your depth chart uh you can find it online at arrowhead pride again check it out on your desktop we're we're trying to fix it so it's a little bit easier to read on a phone that's why we have the wizard that is john dixon excels extraordinaire on the website besides just being a a fantastic co-host all right when we come back on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, Steve will join us and we'll tell you what we're watching in the preseason. Stay with us. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride podcast, the editor's show, we're bringing in Arrowhead Pride podcast producer Steve Serta. If you hear a like a wind tunnel when he's speaking, he just off air explain that he's not shutting it's off. Fine. His air it's fine. Yeah, there it I, is. I stop uh, turning it off. It gets too hot in this room to just be sitting I, here for an if hour. I'm reading, if I'm reading the reviews closer, the air conditioner is fine, Steve. It's the mouse clicking that they that really, <laughs> really want you to Okay, I'm gonna order a new mouse because it is it is starting to annoy me too when I listen back to it. But the biggest problem is that during the camp reports, I can't mute myself the same way I can in here. So it's easy for me to mute myself on the stream. Right. But when I'm talking to you on the phone, I can't mute you because if I mute you, it's going to mute the whole thing. And so that's why they hear the clicks and everybody complains about the clicks. I'm, I'm working on it. I'm going to get a new I'm, mouse event. I'm, I'm sorry, Steve. I didn't understand that. Can you explain it again? Oh, <laughs> no, wait. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> you know what, Steve? You keep that air conditioner on. You click that yeah. mouse. Whatever makes you happy. All right, that's right. Let's get into the NFL preseason here. I'll let you guys go first. I always do in these uh, segments, these roundtables that we do. I want to know what uh, is exciting you about the preseason. We know that we don't get a ton of the first team. If I'm guessing here, based upon 7,000 years of covering Andy Reid at this point, you'll get maybe a series or two of Mahomes, and then he'll give Blaine Gabbert you know, most of the second quarter, Shane Bouchel, and then Chris Oladokun will come in at the end for you know whatever amount of, of series. Um, but there are particular players I know we're excited about. So, John, let's start with you. What are you looking most forward to about the preseason? 
Well, thank you for choosing me to go first because I get to say Justin Ross. Mm. I mean, I, yeah. I, 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 it's hard for me to imagine. Yeah. yeah, that's the slam dunk right there. It's hard for me to imagine uh, that people will be looking at anybody else in these preseason games uh, than to see what he's capable of doing uh, against, you know, semi-genuine NFL competition. I mean, we're, we're still not going to see what he's going to look like against full-blown NFL competition, but it, you know, he's going to be playing against some guys who are going to be hitting as hard as they can because they're trying to get jobs on NFL teams, particularly who plays later than the, the first couple of series in the game. Uh, but man, what an interesting story this is. Uh, I'm rooting for the guy. I want him to succeed because it'll be a great story. And if he succeeds, he'll be a great player for the Chiefs that in which they have made a very small investment. I'm very pleased that this has worked out this way. I know a lot of people think I was bad mouthing him, and I'm not. I never was. I just, you know, my job is to be honest with people and look at every everything that might go wrong as well as everything that might go right. And to start with, the wrong stuff was just too big a pile. But now that we've seen some right stuff, it's it's going back the right way now. Yeah. Uh, when he first had his first pad at practice, forget who it was who asked him it what did you think of the first hit and he goes it was beautiful and so my follow-up <laughs> was like and you keep talking about hits uh how much do you need that first preseason game to really and he he really wants to get through it i think he wants to get hit a couple times which is this is the bizarre world we live in where you're just like you're begging for these 200 and <laughs> some odd pound men to thrash you so you know that you right. can handle it again uh, but that's where he's at and kudos to him for saying that kudos to him to, to be ready for that and i think that's going to be a a key part it'll actually be uh, 21 months to the day when he suits up in new orleans to the last time he's played in a football game so this is a big day steve for justin ross yeah i think justin ross is the number one thing that everybody's going to be watching in this football game but i'm sticking on the offensive side of the ball i'm really interested to see how they deploy the running back room and uh, I'm thinking back to years past with the Chiefs where we saw guys like Carlos Hyde be really active in the preseason, and then they wind up shipping him off before the regular season starts. And last year, we kind of saw it with Ronald Jones, where he was brought in as a guy that we thought was going to have a role in the offense and be a contributor, and it just never really worked out for him. And part of that was Isaiah Pacheco being so good during training camp and showing the Chiefs that he he deserved to get playing time. So we're probably not going to see Pacheco. We're probably not going to see McKinnon, but I think we're going to see a lot of Clyde and we're going to see a lot of generic Prince who Pete, you have along with the rest of chiefs media have really been hyping up during training camp. And I haven't gotten to go to practice. I haven't gotten to see him in person. So I'm really Prince, excited to see what generic Prince looks like in preseason. Prince is, one. Prince is having the training camp where if his name was Justin Ross, it would be, and an explosive story in Kansas city with how good he mm-hmm. is, right? Like it's yeah. just, he didn't have the hype coming in and even how he's performing it. He still doesn't really have it as, as big as it, as Ross. And, and I think the chiefs have a, basically another Isaiah Pacheco. who could probably catch a little bit better, which is crazy to think about. So I'm, a, I agree with you. I was going to go more specific on mine and it was kind of like yours. So I'll briefly say it and then talk about something else sort of by extension, but I want to know how they use Clyde. Is it mm-hmm. I'm going to use him yeah. a lot so that we are displaying him to maybe move him, showing the rest of the league that he he is still a good player and can be productive. 
And I, I'll go by extension of that. I, I think this is an important game for the offensive line, and especially, I think, Donovan Smith and mm. by, by proxy, Brett Veach. Because it's one thing to bet on jo- Jawan Taylor and to pay him a lot of money, and I know there was all this crap about, you know, which, which <laughs> tackle should he be, whatever. Because you know he's, he's an elite player, and I think everybody knows that, and they really like the signing. Some would rather see him at left than right. It's Smith. Like, Smith wasn't great last year, and he was pretty injured. And if he, it's a series or two, and doesn't perform well in this game, I, I think immediately you're going to see people be like, what are we doing at left tackle? And then maybe even calling for, like, a Lucas Niang or even a Wanye Morris. So I know he's, what, a 10-year veteran, former Ironman. Before last year, he had never missed a start, similar, similar to, like, Mitch Schwartz and, and Joe Tooney. Um, but... You know, 10 years in, this is a big preseason game for me, uh, for Donovan Smith. I think we just named three offense. So let's try to go defense here. Uh, Steve, we'll go back to you. Are you ready with a defensive take? Yeah, I- I'm really curious to see uh, the defensive line rotation and obviously not the, the main guys like Mike Dana, who is a starter and-, and I think should be talked about that way. Like he's been dealing with an injury where I was saying I see a ton of him or, or guys like that, but I'm talking more about Felix. I'm talking more about yeah. Keandre Coburn, Tershawn Wharton, BJ Thompson, Malik Herring. Like all of these guys who, while this is still totally up in the air with Chris Jones and you want to feel better about the Chiefs' depth, unless they decide to bring in one of these veterans who's still floating around on the free agent market. Like I want to see something from this defensive line and, and see what the guys behind the starters have. And hopefully it's a positive return. Yeah, I think you know who the starters are, and yeah, some of them are suspended. Some of them are, are going to maybe be here eventually. Uh, you know the, about the ends. I, I think Carl Loftus and Dano, once Dano is completely healthy, is the starter. There's a lot of sorting out to do, I think, behind them. And so I think the Chiefs really need to to use preseason to figure that out, John. I'm uh, kind of in agreement with Steve, but I actually wrote down a name, Daniel Wise. Uh, who kind of steps in for several players that are on the roster right now, including Phil Hoskins and Matt Dickerson and Chris Williams. These are guys that you would typically just refer to as camp bodies. But in the particular situation in which the Chiefs find themselves, where Tershawn Warden is coming back from an injury, Chris Jones is, yeah, we, you know, we don't know what's going on with him. Right. And Omanahu is going to miss the first game, six games of the season. You know, we're just an injury or two away from one of these guys getting some serious time in a game. And so I'm very interested to see what they can do. There was there was one day at training camp where where Wise caught your attention, if I remember correctly, Pete. So that's a that's a guy I'm gonna be watching for. And uh and I think Hoskins had a play yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. He, so Yeah, uh Wise has been good with these one on ones, like better than I would have thought. And you know, filling in for Chris Jones is a very tall order. And sure. So, yeah. And, you know, keep in mind, too, we're always talking about the 53 to 53 and even maybe even the 46, which I know some fans would really like us to discuss more. Uh, but <laughs> a lot of these guys are looking to make the 69, quote unquote. Right. They right. want to just stick with the team and develop. And so that's where I think those guys come in, too, is sure. Can they do enough to push Brett Beach to keep them? I'm going to go uh, my my final one. Two newcomers, one true newcomer and one new to his role. Drew Tranquil and Brian Cook. Drew Tranquil, I think we, we want to see how the Chiefs use him. I know he's been a favorite of Steve's 
and and it's really people have really liked the the signing. I, I think it's been impressive. What I've been most impressed with Tranquil about was that one day that Nick Bolton was sick and he just came in and was the green dot. It's like this guy. Everyone always says how complicated, how much Steve Spagnolo puts on you uh, in in this defense. You know, when you're a rookie or when you're a veteran coming in, and Drew, Drew Tranquil is like, yeah, you know what? Five or six days in the camp here, I'm just gonna call the defensive place. And he did good. And I think that was really impressive. He looks to be one of the best coverage linebackers the Chiefs have had in a long time. He looks to have some blitzing upside. I've noticed that. He's been in the face of quarterbacks. They got the yellow jersey on, so you can't hit him. So maybe Steve Spagnuolo lets him loose, and you see a, a sack from Drew Tranquil. So I'll be watching him. And then, man, the raving about Brian Cook has been nonstop. And even with Justin Reed, by extension, these guys have been – begging to hit somebody they had they come close at camp and then they like zoom by him of course because they you know they pull off at the last second and now they can right it's it's perfectly legal in an exhibition game to do that we'll see how much you see of them you know they may only get a series or two so and the ball's got to go in their direction but i think both of these guys are ready to rock somebody and i'm really interested in seeing brian cook now being the man in that free safety position it's going to be such a key for him so i think you got to be looking for a good start for brian cook so I, I think we've touched on some some is there anything that that maybe we haven't touched upon that that you guys can think of i'd like to submit richie james returning kicks oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. yeah see if he drops one right yeah <laughs> yeah that's a good one uh i think fans could could breathe a sigh of relief should he be able to you know, bring each one in Look out for Prince as a kick returner. I, I am not comparing it to him on offense. Let's be very clear here. But Dave Tobe said he was like Niall Davis, who had one of the most famous kick returns in Chiefs history in Houston. So let's see how he does in, in kick return as well. Let's see how all the Chiefs do. We'll keep you updated at arrowheadpride.com with all the updates from the preseason game. We have in podcasts this week as we go here. We are in the thick already of the training camp in the NFL season. So Steve will keep it popping on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. For Steve and for John, my name is Pete Sweeney. Thank you for joining us on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. <laughs>